0: So, you know, first I had to really acknowledge it and then I had to shift my thinking. I had to refocus from being hyper fixated on my flaws or my perceived shortcomings and moving to acknowledging what I had achieved.
1: We're continuing our celebration of Women's History Month with our series of interviews with women in cybersecurity from CISOs and the lessons they've learned to what the next generation of defenders has to offer. We're bringing you two interviews per week, all month long. Imposter syndrome. You've heard about it. People around you have been talking about it. Indeed, if you work in cybersecurity, you've probably lived it. So what are the warning signs? And more importantly, what can you do about it? Today, my guest is McKenna Yakey, senior security engineer at Samsara. I wanted to talk to her about coming to terms with imposter syndrome, how to counter it, and how to help the next generation of defenders confront it. McKenna Yakey, welcome to First Watch.
0: Thank you so much, happy to be here.
1: Yeah, so you and I were going back and forth offline. Let's start with imposter syndrome. I wanna give you some space to talk about your feelings and experiences. I think we'll explore, you know, coping strategies, some other things later, but just kind of wrap your arms around this pretty big topic that I think hits just about anyone working in cybersecurity.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I have been very well acquainted with imposter syndrome um, since I've started in IT and, Mm -hmm. and tech in general, which has been about six and a half years now. Um, And it's, it's been something that I have resolved myself to um, tackling and then also helping others learn how to navigate it because it is so commonplace um, in tech, but especially in cybersecurity. So it's kind of my passion to help others deal with this while I've, I've learned how to deal with it myself.
1: Mm -hmm. And so Let's dig in a little deeper there in terms of, you know, could you talk about some specific instances where you felt it or maybe more generally the triggers that where, where is it that you feel that like, when do you feel that arise? When have you wrestled with it before?
0: Yeah. So for me, I tend to be quite a perfectionist type eight personality. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tend to find that I deal with imposter syndrome when I'm coming across a new concept and I am then made the, um, me on that on that mm-hmm. topic, which I think is is pretty normal for me at least in the um, companies I've worked in. I've worked on extremely small teams, um where it's maybe me and a handful of other people. And so we often are expected to kind of juggle all these things and wear many, many hats. And that has been um, a place where I've experienced imposter syndrome the most. Um, I love working on small teams. They're intimate. Um, I can, you know, get my hands into a lot of different things. I can learn very quickly. But I mm-hmm. think it also attributes to a lot of that imposter syndrome um, that I've experienced. And I often feel just simply because when you do have your hands, and uh, you know, and every bit of the pie, um, you're then kind of expected to know everything about about it. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's kind of been um, a lot of the places that I've experienced it. Um, I know when I first made my transition over from being a system admin to a security engineer, I felt that just double what I had normally felt because now I have this expectation of myself to Be an expert in cybersecurity overnight, which Mm -hmm. I think anybody can go like, that's not a thing. (laughs) It's never, (laughs) that's not going to happen. But I felt this pressure to meet this new expectation and to do well at this new, um, at, at that job. So,
1: yeah. Do you think that that expectation is mostly attributed to your own internal or was, is there something? however unintentional you know in the workplace where you feel could contribute to that feeling
0: I think it's a little bit of both I definitely think that the industry and the company culture can have an impact Mm -hmm. on that feeling of needing to rise to the challenge Um, but I also think a lot of it has to do as well with being a woman in cybersecurity and not just a woman, but a black woman in cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. Um, I know many, um, you know, black Americans feel this. We're often told from our families that we need to be better. We need to know more. Mm -hmm. We need to, um, you know, we just, we just have to rise above because that is the expectation for us. We'll be scrutinized more heavily. And so if we don't know everything, we're not the best, we're Mm. not um, really rising to meet the challenge. And then, then some that we will always be seen as less than. So I know that that's an internal um, issue that I experienced just simply because of my background, but also being a woman I've had a lot of times where you know, I've experienced people looking down on me just simply because I am a woman. Um, and so there is this, this desire and this need to kind of prove people wrong, prove people that I mm-hmm. am competent and I know what I'm talking about and I deserve a seat at the table and I should be in the room. Um, so I, I feel like it's kind of a, it, it it I get hit on all sides <laughs> of yeah. the of the equation when it comes to um, why I feel imposter syndrome.
1: Yeah, and I think that is an interesting dynamic, right? And there's a it's both internal and external. It's a storm that compounds. Mm-hmm. I was just talking with Asiso earlier today, and he said he used to report to a woman. But when they would get vendor calls, essentially Mm -hmm. the salesperson would pitch really hard to him and they would just kind of let it ride because it was kind of a litmus test for that particular vendor's values. And they're like, well, not going to talk to the, you know, but you know, (laughs) it's like, if you take that unconscious bias and then you add your personal experience or expectations, I can see how that, that compounds very quickly. Yeah. So what are some coping strategies that you have found to be useful? I know you also work with others. And I want to get to that in a second. But for your yourself, as you've worked through these moments, what have you found to be the most fruitful?
0: Yeah, so I think, you know, step one, for me has been acknowledging that I'm struggling with imposter mm-hmm. syndrome. Um, And this can look really different for everybody else but some of the signs that helped me realize I was struggling with it was I had anxiety around how things were how things were done especially hyper fixating on things being done just right
1: mm-hmm. um
0: fear of not knowing everything like that's my big issue and then expecting to kind of be an expert overnight Um, feeling pressure to handle things on your own and not reach out out of fear that if I reach out and I ask for help, then they're going to find out, they're going to know I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, Stressing out over, you know, whether I succeed on the first try. Um, And then, you know, just kind of feeling guilty. I'm a little bit of a people pleaser. And that's kind of an understatement, but I'm a people pleaser. Um, And so there's always been kind of this, this stress of, You know, am I making everybody happy? Am I making my team happy? Am I making my boss happy, executives happy? So on and so forth. So there's this desire to kind of please everybody. Um, So, you know, first I had to really acknowledge it. And then I had to shift my thinking. I had to refocus from being hyper fixated on my flaws or my perceived shortcomings and moving to acknowledging what I had achieved, Um, Mm. So to do it, I really had to concentrate on the facts to counteract some of those negative feelings and those thought processes that I was having. And I used evidence to kind of help navigate those feelings. So I think this is often referred to like facts versus stories you know facts are the observable truths where the stories are how we interpret those facts they're the things we tell ourselves yes. um one of the best ways that i did this was uh building myself a brag doc so no matter how big my achievement or my win was big or small i would note it down and it was something that i could track Milestones, hmm. goals that I had for myself, um, ways that I had contributed or collaborated with my team or other teams, areas that I had stepped up um, above what I think the expectations um, for myself was. So I noted every little thing that I could to kind of start um, using as a counterweight to these negative thoughts and feelings that I was having.
1: Um, yeah, I, I want to, sorry, I want to yeah, pause you there because I, I want to just say for listeners, you know that's really quite simple and brilliant because the human mind has a negativity bias right and evolutionarily speaking we have that because it's like oh i had that bad experience stay away from it danger survival mode right and so i think having tangible evidence that you can count or see because you will forget those the negativity bias is going to hide those because it's not helping your survival in an evolutionary Absolutely. sense so i think that's a, a very good kind of concrete strategy but sorry I interrupted so I, I don't know you're fine going.
0: no um yeah and I I had actually learned to use the brag doc from somebody that um, was helping me to deal with my imposter syndrome at the time um and was mentoring me so I have found it to be such an effective tool um, in helping me. Uh, see the evidence and see the facts and not get caught up in that storm of negative thinking and feeling. And it's, it's, it's very helpful. Um, But, you know, another thing that I've done is making room for myself to be kind to myself and have empathy for myself. And I think this is something that's often um, overlooked is we're quick, like you said, with the negative, you know, we're prone to being Mm. um, negative Um, is actually being empathetic and not condemning myself every time I have a setback or a failure um, and and making room to seek support from peers, mentors, um, supervisors, and then also practicing like a little bit of that self-care so that I'm not getting burnout from imposter syndrome, which I think imposter syndrome correlates very quickly, you know, very closely with burnout. Um and so yeah, after-
1: for sure. Like catastrophizing, right? Yes. Like it can spin. When you yeah. when you reach out to peers, is that I'm curious about the medium. Is it people physically? You, you said managers, but a lot of us work remote. Is it mm-hmm. the LinkedIn community or some other community? Like where are you reaching out to those peers?
0: Yeah. So this could be, you know. Uh, peers at work, my coworkers who know mm-hmm. my work and are familiar with my work. They they deal with me every day. So <laughs> they can oftentimes give um, really good insight into how I'm doing. And so if I reach out to them just in a Slack message of like, hey, do you have five minutes? I really kind of want to get your insight on this. It's something I'm kind of dealing with. And I've I've had amazing coworkers that have been so supportive in that and also, oftentimes had have said, you know, I'm dealing with this too. Do you mind also giving me this support mm. back? So we've kind of created a little tight-knit community among my team, but also, you know, I stay very close to the communities, uh, the cybersecurity community um, through things like the Women's Society of Cyber Cyberjitsu. Um, I've, uh, you know, I- I've spent a lot of time reaching out to them and uh, those that are in the same kind of position that I'm in or same, you know, area of their careers I am those who have been in the game for a little bit longer and can kind of give me some of that wisdom that I need um and then you know I'm part of a lot of different groups whether it's via LinkedIn Twitter used to be a hot spot for me but things have gotten a little crazy on Twitter so I'm not yep. there quite as much <laughs> yeah um but i mean i like to build relationships with people so i have found that it's not too hard for me to reach out to somebody if i need a little bit of 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 a boost and some insight um and and really especially when you're remote i feel like this is this can be even easier at times because it's mm-hmm. easy to just message somebody and say, hey, do you have five minutes for a quick chat or can I just text you about something? And people are typically rather receptive um, to that. Yeah, I think and it's
1: it's a paradox. I think most people think, oh, well, if you're remote, you're kind of stewing in your own juices, you're in your own head, you're at home, mm-hmm. you're locked away. It can be that way for yeah. sure. But I think if you're also y- using the communities at hand like your point, I mean you could be worrying about something at whatever in the morning and you may have built a rapport with somebody in the a different time zone. You know, mm-hmm. you can reach out one to one very quickly across vast distances. Yeah. Uh, in space and time.
0: Absolutely. And I, I and I know this is not for everybody. This has not been everybody's um take with remote work, but it has been so freeing for me because I do suddenly now have access to people that I never would have had access to, um, to backgrounds and ideas and support that I never had in my very small communities before things were remote. So Mm -hmm. I have found it to be a blessing. But yeah, it does take time to kind of build up those communities. Um, And this is one thing why, you know, I talk a lot about people networking and building those actual communities um, for themselves. Uh, when they get started in a new industry, a new career, a new field, whatever it is, um, to find, look for those groups, look for those communities.
1: We'll be back in a moment. Stay tuned all this month as we celebrate Women's History Month with a double dose of First Watch. We're dropping two episodes each week featuring women in cyber from CISOs to first-year analysts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And now back to my conversation with McKenna Yakey. And speaking of community, I know you've done a lot of work with the Women's Society of Jitsu. shout out yeah. to Mary Galloway. <laughs> um, so what do, what are you doing there? How are you, it sounds like you're, you've taken what you have learned and you're trying to make sure those coming up behind you are not going through the same thing. I mean, I, I will say to everyone listening, spoiler alert, we all go through imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. probably it's normal once a month to have that vertigo, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so ha- describe your work, uh, with that.
0: Yeah. Um, so I first started out, um, reaching out as a volunteer back when the pandemic first started, they were wanting to launch their first fully remote chapter. Um, and so we launched our first fully remote chapter in the Dallas area, which is where I'm located. Um, and they were looking for people who are willing to volunteer for leadership for that, for that chapter. And I said, I got nothing better to do. I would really like to help and be supportive. (laughs) Um, you know, I, at, at the time I was, I was, I think, you know, I was where everybody else was of just like, okay, my entire community has been broken up, like people I'm used to seeing and spending time with, I now don't have access to quite as easily. And so I was searching for a way to recreate that community in any way possible. And so I had, you know, I had said, hey, I was willing to help. Um, And I led our membership and volunteering um, portion of that chapter for about, I want to say like a year and a half. And I really love that. We really got to help build out that chapter and bring people together and do quite a few fun events. Um, But I wanted to do more. And so at the time I was starting to build a really closer relationship with Mary. Um, And she said, well, if you're really interested in doing something else, I could, you know, I could use your help in other areas. So I helped with the webinars team. Um, I helped to, you know, broker events that we were doing with other vendors, like, you know, the uh, InfoSec Institute um, and CACI for when we were looking for big webinars to host on BrightTalk. Um, so I got to really meet a lot of different people in that way. And then one of my favorite ways that I have um, done work with WSC has been hosting security plus study groups for newcomers. Um, and I've done two of those so far. They've been six and 12 week study groups where we've wow. gotten together and we we started out really small for the first time. I think we maybe had like maybe eight, 10 people. And then the second time around, because it was such a success and everybody really loved it. Um, I think we had like 30 plus people who joined the study group that time around that were consistent throughout the 12 weeks. Um, And we saw a lot of people who passed the security plus and also got their first, um, you know, foot in the door in the cybersecurity community. So that was really cool. One of the ladies who helped me host that, she was a teacher. Um, She helped host the study group with me. She took her security plus and then she actually got a security awareness um, lead position at a company, maybe I think like six months later. So that was really cool to see her grow in her career and make that transition. And knowing that I got to be part of that by, by supporting something, um, at WSC. So
1: that's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, you definitely need to write that one down.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That that has gone in my brag doc for sure.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I want to pivot here in the in the final minutes you have described a pretty impressive journey in terms of you know coming into cyber coping with something that everyone deals with repeatedly finding the resources building the coping mechanisms helping others so whether it's imposter syndrome or anything else my question is knowing what you know now Mm. if we had the benefit of time travel what would you go back and tell your younger self? What advice would you give to the younger McKenna?
0: Yeah, I think I would tell her, take it one step at a time. Don't rush yourself to learn everything, know everything, be the best at everything. Mm -hmm. That it's okay to... Take your time. It's okay to grow at a steady pace versus just growing for growth sake, right? Grow in a sustainable way that supports your ability to feel confident um, in any situation that you go into, Um You know, I think it's something that a lot of people feel pressure when they come into cybersecurity is that we feel like if we don't rush ourselves into learning everything that this field has to offer, that we'll be left behind, Mm -hmm. Um, we'll be seen as people who don't know what they're talking about. We won't get those promotions. We won't get those opportunities. Um, But I have found that a strong foundation and just knowing how things work and why stays relevant. And if you take your time and you give yourself the the opportunity to grow, you'll get where you're going and you'll get where you're supposed to go. And just to enjoy the journey, right? Don't rush yourself um, because your imposter syndrome is telling you that everybody's looking at you and saying, oh, you know, why are they here? They don't belong mm-hmm. here. Um, there's an old saying from, well, it's not necessarily an old saying, but something I heard a million times Back when I did Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, my coaches used to say this to me all the time. They said, Don't fear the person who does a thousand techniques. Fear the person who does one technique a thousand times, which Mm. ultimately just means, you know, get good at one thing um, and you'll be a force to be reckoned with. And then you move on to the next thing, you know, dedicate your time, your energy, and your focus to a few things before chasing every new thing that you come across. And this is something I like to call the shiny effect, right? Don't fall victim to the shiny effect. You'll get there. You'll be okay. So I would definitely go back in time and tell young McKenna all these things. It's okay. Take a breather. You don't have to be the best in the room. You're going to get there eventually.
1: Yeah, that's brilliant. I, w- I would say, you know, I talked with somebody who told me they found that they were reading up on all these disciplines and like halfway through some set of books. I can't remember if they were like a... Uh, uh an engineer that specialized in network and they Mm -hmm. read about cloud i don't know they were trying to move very quickly but widely right they were trying to go Mm -hmm. wide really fast and they realized like halfway through some gigantic cloud architecture book that they were like i'm just reading this to get through it like i don't enjoy this Mm -hmm. it's not interesting to me and i think that's the sign that like you have to cultivate that curiosity. I hear it time and again, like in this industry, especially with everything changing all the time, whether it's the architecture, the technologies, the threats, you have to be curious. If you're not curious, it's hard to cultivate a lot of other learning, but you also can't learn it all because that would be crazy. Mm -hmm. But also if you're trying to progress from, let's say SOC analyst all the way to CISO, the trajectory is not, You learned a whole bunch of technical stuff, right? Like you you get higher in terms of leadership by also knowing more about business. Mm -hmm. And I I think there's some skills there that aren't going to be found in books. And you kind of need to rest your brain and absorb your surroundings. Be curious, build those relationships, as you said, invest in people. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. And I think it will help too with imposter syndrome. I, I feel like the more we get to experience other people and see what other people are going through, then that also gives us room to be softer, gentler with ourselves and go, oh, okay, this is something everybody's dealing with, not yes. just me. I'm not I'm not a one person island and I'm going to be okay. So I think that's an important thing to remember when you're dealing with imposter syndrome, you're not alone you'll be okay, but be kind, be gentle, be patient with yourself, um, and take the time to enjoy things. You don't have to rush.
1: Absolutely. Well, that is a a perfect place to bring things to an end. McKenna Yakey, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us.
0: Yeah, thank you so much again. This was wonderful.
1: That's it for First Watch today. My thanks to McKenna Yankee. To hear more interviews with leaders and more Spotlight episodes, subscribe to First Watch wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, share on your socials or leave us a rating. It helps others find the show. First Watch is a production of Safeguard Cyber with original music by Mattia Cefaleti and production help from Jamil Mafi. Until next time, stay safe, stay strong.